It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by, from his bedroom as opposed to his office, Paul Doolan. Hello. And uh, from Manchester or nearby, Dave Watson. Hi Fergus. I recently found out that Phil Foden lives in my village. Ooh. Is that true? You live in a fancy footballer village. Has he got? Has he had his big contract yet, Phil Foden? Yeah, he bought a house with his new contract. With his contract, he bought his, his mum a house in this village, and he still lives with her. So, with still lives with his mum. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a very nice lad, especially for a footballer. Which see, I don't you, like to see. Are you putting that on him, like projecting that onto him? Have you ever even seen him interviewed? Is this it... is from, I think it's some sort of document. You know BT Sport has those short documentaries about players. There's something like that, I'm sure. Right. Which they're not going to make him out to be a, an absolute shithouse, to be fair. <laughs> I am finding myself getting uh, very excited about English football in the way that I realised that it's possible to do it any one time, because there's always a few players who show a lot of promise. But Phil Foden, mm. this is a Newcastle Natter uh, podcast. We will talk about Newcastle United. We've just landed on Phil Foden because he lives in Dave's village. But he's very exciting, isn't he? Phil Foden, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this, but him, Rashford, Greenwood... Sancho. 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 Not Terrence a lot. Trent Derby. Shelby. Terrence Trent Derby. <laughs> There's not a lot in, like, a defensive midfield mode, but um, 
Yeah, very exciting. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we should uh, talk about Newcastle. It's we, we pounded out a series of podcasts in rapid succession when there wasn't really any football. <laughs> and uh, But since our last one, there's been a, a, a torrent of games. Let me just run through the results that we've had since our last podcast. Our last podcast went out on... Uh, the 24th of June, uh, and that evening we played Aston Villa at home. This was straight up the, on our last podcast. We were on an absolute high, even Dave, I believe, was <laughs> saying vaguely positive things about Steve Bruce because we'd just beaten Sheffield oh, United 3 0. Yeah, we'd just beaten Sheffield United 3 0. We knew we were going to be safe essentially. It was all about top, top half. Since then, I've still got a sort of residue of that feeling, but we had a 1-1 draw with uh, Aston Villa. We lost to Manchester City in the FA Cup quarterfinal. But, um, you know, that was as expected. But uh, we should probably mention that, really, considering that was uh, our last chance of a trophy. I can't believe we're going to go another season without a trophy, guys. Um, <laughs> any any thoughts on that? Uh, the quarterfinal loss, Paul? Uh, well, I think it's quite handy putting it in the context of the other Man City game the other day, the 5 0 loss. Sure, we lost I that can't, one, the one 2 0 to, to, yeah, to Man City. I can't tell which approach. Yeah, I can't tell which is worse, sort of setting up to defend, hope for, hoping that you may be still in the game with 10 minutes to go and just not attempt to play football and lose, or just try and play football against Man City and get battered. There's no, there's not really many positives to either. I have to say, though, the, the league game, if ever, uh, if ever, if ever you want to, like, an example of a team that's pretty much safe, just keeping their players fit for a different game and just essentially just throwing a game against a much, much better side. Just show them a video of that game because the team that Steve Bruce named was um, much changed. We didn't have St. Maximum. We didn't have Lascelles, et cetera, et cetera. He he rang the changes and it it was like, we just threw that game. It was was embarrassing. Um, I'd much We're prefer at... the, the approach taken against the in the FA Cup where at least there was a plan whereas the one in the league it was just fuck it it's dead rubber well both of them uh, drew criticism didn't they which I thought was sort of unfair really what he did in the FA Cup I'm not smart enough to know if I'm accurate on this but it felt to me like uh, uh, Benitez's performance against Man City, which Benitez was criticised for massively, which I always thought was unfair at the time, where it was uh, very defensive and we were just hoping to get something from it. Yeah. And I, d- I don't have a problem with that. I want that. I think when you're dealing with such a disparity in terms of talent and your 11 versus theirs, then I think you should... Do what? What is your best percentage chance of getting a win? And there are a lot of people saying, "Oh, they should at least go for it." Um, 
and uh, I think that was going for it. Whereas, yeah. as you say, Dave, in the FA Cup, in in the league, well, we sort of did go for it, but it's the it's the actual selection as opposed to the um, uh, tactics that's the real problem there, isn't it? Yeah, but, definitely. You know. If we if we if we'd named like Saint Maximum, I mean, I mean, I know that that he'd picked up a knock and the cells had picked up a knock and Almiron had picked up a knock and you heard all of these things before the game so you knew that he was going to win the changes but magically they were fit for the, the game that followed um, I just I don't I, I don't agree with ever throwing a game and like you say Fergus set yourself up with the, your best chance of, of getting something from the game isn't throwing the game it's, it's using whatever tools you've got to be fair, in terms of the selection in that game, I mean, in the long term, that is a sort of percentage way of playing things, isn't it? And we did criticise Bruce earlier on in the season uh, for overworking, particularly St. Maximum. I think having so, the two games yeah. a week as well means you have to rotate a bit more than normal. Problem is, Man, Man City probably made the same number of changes as us, but you look at who comes in for them. It's Dave's mm. neighbour, Phil. And just lots of quite like Gabriel Jesus can play. <laughs> their their rotated squad is stronger. They haven't got a player in their second eleven who is worse than any of ours, possibly with the exception of St. Maximin. But it's true, we are playing twice a week and we're not a squad that is mm. you know, we're not a squad built for it for Europe. We're not no. So we can, we can barely, to play twice a week, really. We've only got a squad that's, that can compete for Premier League survival, let alone competing on more than one front. So, yeah, I get... Well, I get we have competed. We have competed for Premier League survival, haven't we? Thanks to the excellent management of uh, Stephen. <laughs> so, um, uh, after the uh, loss to Man City in the FA Cup, we had a 4-1 victory against Bournemouth. So I guess that's why I've got like a sort of... Are still, that's enough to keep me still feeling pretty positive about the way things are. I know Bournemouth, I mean, at the time, were playing like utter shit, but um, that was very enjoyable from what I remember. There were some a, a, a brilliant finishes in that game. Almiron had a peach. Almiron, it was a little run, wasn't it? And no, I can picture it now. Yes, the right-footed shot into the top left corner. Yeah. Lazaro had an unbelievable strike. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, almost almost scored again with the... Um, or is this the one you're talking about, the one that came crashing back off the bar? Yes, almost scored again. Yeah, he, yeah. Lazaro's goal, was, I thought, was a, an amazing strike. He's got a... a, a He's really good at shooting. <laughs> I was trying to find the best way to phrase that. He's really good at kicking really the ball shooting. in the direction of the goal. And then, um, Isaac Hayden had possibly the worst sitter miss of the season. That's right. Yeah, well, that was a very eventful game. Yeah, uh, Gail got a goal early on, thanks to a Bournemouth mistake, beautifully put away. Sean Longstaff got a goal after an incredible run by St. Maximum. Yeah, that particular game, I... I uh, was feeling very positive about our team. Dwight Gale now as well, three goals in five. That's 20 goals a season for him. He's a proper striker. I think he is 
ultimately probably always going to be someone who is capable of scoring 20, 25 goals in the championship and uh, sort of not quite fulfilling that in the Premier League. I was right? wondering this the other day. I think it was you, Dave, was tweeting or somebody had tweeted about the number of big chances missed by top strikers. It's basically the ones who are at the top of the goal-scoring charts have missed the most big chances as well. But they get right? into those. I was wondering, how, if Dwight Gale was at Man City, he would probably get 20 goals a season. I think. What, by virtue Possibly. of so many big chances landing at his feet? Yeah. 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 But then he but there's an ability that those, the rest of the game. Yeah. There's an ability, ability that the, it's not just that the top strikers are strikers who are lucky enough to be in good sides. They're also very good at creating those opportunities for themselves. Yeah. You, one of you pointed out, Dwight Gale just looks very miserable. Doesn't look like he enjoys football, does he? <laughs> We've got a few like that, to yeah. be fair. Shelby looks like he's had to be dragged out of bed and put on the pitch. Yeah, both Shelby and Gale have got that sort of, like, teenage surly. mood. Yeah, yeah surly. Yeah. Fabian Cher's got a bit of that about him as well. Do you reckon? Yeah, him and Shelby together as a midfield two does not. It just looks like two teenagers who are doing it as a punishment. Yeah, I guess that's worth bringing up now that we... I mean, the other games since that we can talk about are West Ham 2-2 and uh, the City 5-0 loss, which we've already covered. And uh, I guess we'll get on to the Watford game in a minute. But Cher, yeah, he's started playing in midfield a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, specifically in the game against Watford, I can make, I can make a case for it, I guess, because he, he's got that physicality and Watford do have a team of quite big, strong uh, footballers, but he's he's not mobile enough for, for a midfielder. He's not, he makes too many rash decisions and gives away too many fouls. And I think the, the benefit that we had last season with, uh, Cher and Lejeune at the centre half is that they could ping those balls um, akin to Shelby, but having two essentially doing the same job, neither which of them can tackle, neither of them particularly quick, neither of them run around a lot in the centre of the park, just made us very immobile. And I think that's why we, um, I think that's why we struggled against Watford. Fair enough. I, I heard it said that um, Cher being played in midfield. Could well, I mean, if it's not successful, then I guess it's not going to be a long run thing. But that could well be something else that puts Matty Longstaff off from signing the contract. Yeah, he goes, I think. Oh well, hang on, we've got another midfielder. Well, if you're Matty Longstaff and the club are coming out and saying, "Well, we're offering him a good deal," it doesn't fill you with confidence if you're then what fifth or sixth choice in centre midfield. Like it's. It doesn't make sense as a footballing decision at the minute for him to stay. Has he played at all since? Um, uh, I don't think, is it January last time he started? So what's going on there? Is he fit? Let's have a look. Not a hundred percent. I think Bruce said he's not completely fit, but he's come on in games. Might I just, if he's available, yeah, he's meant to be. 
Well, the, the thing that gets me is he's he's available and he, it's his hometown club, so you know you're going to get a little bit more energy out of him than perhaps other players. Energy is one of his the key facets to his mm. game, and it, and as the season wears down and we're playing games that don't really matter in an empty stadium, then why not give the why not give him the opportunity to 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 play? I, I can the logic there. I'm just trying to think what it is because obviously. He's running down his contract as opposed to us trying to like hold his value. Could it be that they don't want him to come on and play well and therefore it becomes an even bigger issue with the fans that we've let him go? I don't think they care enough about the opinion of the fans. So it might be Bruce just thinking... Because Matty Longstaff's in a position where if he gets injured now... like that could really ruin your career when you've got weeks left on a contract and nothing lined up. It could be for Surely his own benefit. He's not. For his own, like as in, he's doing him a favour. Mm. Or it might just like be not, trying to I, say, I, like, I sign a contract and you'll play. Yeah, but... I, I don't. That would surely just to make him think, well, I don't trust you. I think it's all speculation. Yeah. We don't really know what's going on there, do we? But there's not a huge amount of logic to him being so far down the pecking order. Without Sean Longstaff and Isaac Hayden, there's no running in our midfield. You can't have Shelby and another lazy midfielder. To be fair, Matty Longstaff has done a couple of good appearances. But that the same could be said of Bigger Amana and... Uh, Media Bead and Mikel Marino. We've had a, f- a few young central midfielders over the years who we got very excited about on the basis of about five appearances. Well, Mikel Marino is now at a very successful to Real be fair, side. To be fair to him, he has just... And Bead's gone off and, and he's having a decent career. Um I think Is he having one... a top half of the Premier League career? I, d- I don't know because of the league he's playing in. I, I don't know. But speaking of media bead, yeah, I would say on. about once every two weeks, I think to myself, "Why the fuck do I still follow media bead on Twitter?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like. What? What? Where the fuck is this French shit coming from? <laughs> I'll get, I'll get like, some some tw- French tweet in my feed. Feed. I've got no idea what it's on about. It's Medea Bead. All right, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think there's an obvious. Answer somebody bring to that. me back. You could yeah. just unfollow him. I could just yeah. unfollow him, but I, I almost. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss no. something. <laughs> it could be big, big Medea Bead news. Never unfollow any footballers. I always feel like there's something, you know, something good around the corner. Um, so I am the host, aren't I? It's my job to bring us <laughs> back on track. So our last game, uh, as we say, it was against Watford. And do, do you manage to watch it, guys? Yeah. I'm I'm sort of half watched it with my girlfriend passive aggressively cleaning around me. (laughs) Um, 
So I had a bit of a weird view of the game because I was watching it on my phone in the car, but I only got to see the first half. So I saw quite a good game of football where we were really on top and sort of got there thinking we've pretty we could have been three nil up and we've probably got this in the bag. Nothing to worry about. Mm. If I was a manager on football manager and I had to give uh, a team talk after the game, I think it would be the one that starts with, that was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance. Yeah. Um, you agree, Dave? Definitely. I mean, the, f- the first half, we were all over them. Watford weren't pressing us. We were creating chances, like, uh, at 1-0, St Maximin had a run through, and... Yeah, he he didn't he didn't put it away, but he you know he did everything right. It was just a good save by um, Foster. Um, we were all over them, and then second half they came out full of guns, and we came out like not bothered. And then there was a stupid tackle for the first penalty, which was the first penalty we've conceded all season, and it was a definite penalty uh, by Richie, I think. And then um, and then Isn't not long after Mankeo? that. Oh, no, no, the second, the second sorry, one. the second one was lucky. Sorry. Yeah, and... I forgot there were but, two pens. <laughs> but in between those two penalties, like, we didn't, we didn't create anything. We didn't have any kind of hold on the game. It was shit. It was absolutely shit. And that's got to come down to um, the motivation of the players. And if it's if they don't have it within them, it's got to be put in them. And normally it would be the fans that get on the back and, you know, try and drag a performance out of them. But... The uh, cells didn't get it out of them. Bruce didn't get it out of them, and they didn't get it out of themselves. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, Watford sort of turned it around conversely, didn't they, in the second half? They yeah, started they playing really a lot well. better. But yeah. I felt very comfortable. I felt like we were going to, uh, we were a shoe in for a victory. And even when it went to one-one, I didn't think we'd lose. But it all just sort of crumbled mm. for my memory. Think, but like I say, I wasn't 100% focused on the game because I was um, trying to keep my relationship together. <laughs> <laughs> By being 80% focused on the game. The old, yeah. the, the old saver. I think Dave's right as well, though. It, we've got a lot of players who look like they've got nothing to play for. I think there's some selection mm. problems, though, because there's a lot of players he could have picked who have got something to play for. Like, Lazar, did Lazaro start? No. You sort of think that's a player playing for his future. Again, Matty Longstaff. It's odd not to pick them. I feel sorry for yeah. Mankio constantly getting shifted to left-back. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't fully understand a lot of the decisions that were made in the game. Like, some action was absolutely knackered, apparently, and yet mm. played all 90 minutes. Um, but you were complaining that he didn't play in the game before, Dave. No, I was complaining that he didn't play in the... Um, the Man City game, which was the game before. Yeah, I would have preferred him to play in that game than, than this dead rubber against Watford. I would, like, Man City against dead rubber as well, isn't it? Well, oh, yeah, with, okay. with with the Man City game, if you play Aaron St. Maximan and you, you know, pack the defence, you've got a, a magic man who could do something and, you know, get you something out of the game. Whereas 
against Watford, we could have played Lazaro, given him minutes, because Watford just aren't as good. Just play Lazaro from the start, play, I don't know, play Matty Longstaff. They were never going to beat Man City, though. But you sort of think, Watford, we we could, based on the first half, that's a game we're capable of winning. But then why play Fabian Shaw in the... Yeah, that's the baffling one. In centre midfield. I hope that no, like, should be the end of that experiment now, because it's... Well, to be fair, in my, like, role as Steve Bruce's attorney... <laughs> um, You're the Rudy Giuliani to Steve Bruce's Trump. Yeah, yeah I am. <laughs> Ship me out to another news studio while I defend a ridiculous policy. And, <laughs> um uh, we are. We do have all dead brothers at the moment. There's no better time to experiment. Share, you know, now that it hasn't gone well, maybe we can all comfortably say, well, what an idiotic move. That didn't work. Well, we know it didn't work now. I always had the theory that Titus Bramble could work in central midfield. Now, perhaps that's why I've never managed... Professionally, I don't think that's the reason. I think now is the time to test that, though, if we can get him fit. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah, they're all dead rubbers. If we can get him tight as Bramble fit, <laughs> I think the thing with Cher, there is, I guess it makes sense to see if he can play in centre midfield because you you get the feeling as long as we're playing four at the back, there just isn't a role for him. Nobody seems to trust him as part of a two. I think he's no, but then well, that's the, that's the thing. You don't play him as a two at centre half, and you don't play him as a two as a, like a, a defensive midfielder either. If you want to play Shah, if you want to play four at the back, and you want to play Shah sitting in front of them as like a, I don't know what you'd call it, but sitting in in that role with Shelby in front of them, and maybe a Bentaleb or a Matty Longstaff or something like that and have Almiron and Maximum out on the wings, just do that. Like, we, we played, like, Richie, St. Maximum, and Almiron from the start. And we could have dropped Richie, St. Maximum, or Almiron, and had another centre midfielder and still had the, like, basically, you play in a 4-1-4-1. We could have played that. I just think let's put Cher in a different position every game until we find one he's best at. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, sell him. It's been quite Make a fall for him. One game, have him as physio. <laughs> and I, it has, isn't it? Like, Cher is sort of like, yeah, he's now... Player of the season last like year. A, there's question, yeah, there's question marks over him. Whereas he was considered like a very classy player that we had. I guess he's still got that in him. He just maybe doesn't fit the way we're playing now. Because, because Bruce wants to play the four at the back, which is fine and I'm not criticising him. Because he does, Shah's not, Shah's not a, a, a centre-half who can play as two at the back, which again is fine. But it just if, if he wants to do... Like if he wants to have an experiment, don't take him so far out of his comfort zone. Just just push mm. him just in front of the back four and just have him sitting in that role because he can pass a ball. He's big. He's strong. He's you know he can he can disrupt play. So just play him there. Don't 
I just stick him in the centre of the park where you need mobility and you need like uh, alacrity of thought. He doesn't have it, so don't ask it of him. He is kind and of maybe, a poor yeah. man's version of David Luiz at Arsenal. Because they're having yep. sort of he's exactly not got the same quite problem. A, he's not had quite a, a, a list of um, high-profile mistakes, but maybe that's because we don't play high-profile games. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't associate Shah with loads of, like, incredibly embarrassing errors. No. Not yet, anyway. Maybe it's now's the time to cash in. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Good break, guys. Lovely. It's the finest the finest of breaks. Um, before we carry on, I, f- I feel like we should mention Jack Charlton. He's not really been mentioned at all in the last few days. I'm sure you know, everyone knows that he's passed away, but he's not really been uh, mentioned at all in the last few days in the sense of his association with Newcastle, not that I've seen. But he did manage us for a season, not, assess- not massively successfully, but he was... Um, a Newcastle supporter growing up and uh, managed us and uh, I always liked the man. Anything to say about yeah, him? He came across really well um, anytime you saw him on TV, even in his, you know, as he got older. Um, but he was also, he, he was the one that gave um, Gascoigne and uh, a couple others there, like, a real start he had, in, um, in the game. He, he had Chris Waddle and Peter Beardsley when they were really young in the side. Mm. And uh, and uh, Paul Gascoigne was very, very um, early on in his career. Mm. And I remember later on in his career, Jack Charlton, sort of when he retired from management, talking about how other than his brother the best player that he'd ever seen or at least worked with was Paul Gascoigne. Um, but yeah, I always liked Jack Charlton and I thought it was, I thought we should mention it because I don't feel like he's ever mentioned in terms of his association with Newcastle. Okay, so um, let's talk about the takeover. Let's not talk about it for long, please, because it's the most Boring, irritating saga in the history. I think what a boring, irritating saga needs is a boring, irritating man to put themselves at the centre of it. And Richard Keyes stepped up this week. I don't know if you saw. 
Yeah, tell us about that, Paul. He's claimed it's going to happen on a Friday, on this Friday, and it's going to be waved through, but he's not telling the Chronicle that. I can't remember why. He's he's an odd man, Richard Keyes. Well, in the break, I had a quick look on Twitter, and uh, he's currently trending because he's written an incredible blog post about Clive Tildesley. (laughs) I would like to read um, a... uh, a, a Lee Child-style book written by Richard Keyes. It would be very bitter, I think. I mean, the 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 not what's he called the Clive Tilsley one. It's he's writing it as a friend, but there's so many sort of knives in the back, and it's very partridge. But it's well Isn't worth it? reading. So. I feel every time we talk about this takeover, it's so far away from football. I'm interested in football, and I'm interested in the food that you eat at football and the pubs that you go to beforehand and after. I'm interested in the post-match interviews, the pundits, the personalities of the players, the haircuts, the kits. But none of that is involved in this fucking takeover. It's all about, like broadcasting rights and shit. But um, as I understand it, Dave, perhaps you can clarify, (laughs) Saudi have now banned BN Sports from broadcasting in Saudi Arabia officially. Therefore, you cannot legally watch a game in Saudi Arabia. Therefore, what the fuck are they up to? Yeah. It it seems like they're a shambles. Go on, Dave. Well, you're not wrong. It does not come across like a a cohesive strategy, but I don't know how it works over there. I don't think anybody does who's going to talk about Newcastle United with any great authority. So the only things that we can see is that um, Saudi Arabia, yes, they have banned being sports from broadcasting in Saudi Arabia, um, and they've also fined them roughly 2 million quid. the, the the ban is the ban for being broadcasting is permanent. So as it stands, it is impossible for you to watch a Premier League game in Newcastle, uh, um, in Saudi Arabia. Sorry. So some of the some of the takes have been like wildly different. Some people saying that this absolutely kills the deal because um, how, why would Saudi Arabia? Like do this because now you can't watch Premier League legally, so it's back to the piracy deal, you know, by a piracy situation. Other people are saying, well, actually, what this means is that, as they did with the um, the Asian Football Federation Cup um, in 2016, you can watch it through the, you know, the AFC sponsored uh, or like agreed partners, so you can you can do it some this other way. And it's it's just really confusing, and it doesn't make any goddamn sense to anybody. So all I would say to people is, don't listen to the people on Twitter. Don't listen to like journalists of the Shield Gazette. Don't listen to anybody other than the only people you need to listen to are the fucking Premier League because they're they're the only ones who can say yes or no. And that's it. Just listen to the Premier League until it happens. There's just no point getting involved anymore because it's too complex it's geopolitical bullshit and it's like like you say Fergus it's as far removed from football as it's possible to be one thing that does 
concern me about the way it's gone is that we are known for our, our sort of like stereotype is that um, we're always a bit of a soap opera and a clown show hmm. in Newcastle. And it feels like the way this takeover is going, that if they do take over, that will just continue, but in a different way. And I think any time in the future, if they get it rightly or wrongly, any time Saudi Arabia is in the news negatively, Newcastle United will get mentioned in that in uh, a lot Definitely. of British press. Definitely. And that's just not Cause, really fun. Because you I see mean, every time Mike Ashley is mentioned in the in the like the Financial Times or anything about Sports Direct. Sports Direct will get mentioned, yeah. So yeah, it'll be like instead of it's just going to be another. It might well be that we get mentioned negatively, but we are competing in Europe and winning. Does it trophies, bother you when we get mentioned about Sports Direct, though? I don't. I'm not fussed. Well, not written. It did. Well, it, it it's sort of different, isn't it? Because it's often our us mentioning that it's like he is the villain, Mike mm. Ashley. And therefore, anything bad about Sports Direct is... We don't feel as fans that that reflects negatively on us because we think he's a twat as well. We don't like him. Yeah. And it's all... Like, I would... Even if we were big fans of Mike Ashley, I wouldn't feel so, like, conflicted if uh, there was a news report about Sports Direct not treating their employees very well versus the Saudi Arabian government bombing a food warehouse in the Yemen. Like, if, if there's a choice between the two, you'd prefer to be associated with Yeah, yeah, I've brought us onto that. But, you know, but I think as well, you can sort of... Like, I, I feel quite happy and easy to disassociate myself from the actions of whoever owns the club. Same as when there was Freddie Shepard and Dougie Hall in trouble for that sting that they were involved in that. Yeah, it's not really comparable, but like no, but I mean, you can still. It's the same principle, though, isn't it? You're yeah, not, yeah, by supporting the team, you're not saying I support the actions outside the regime. football of the regime. I guess I'm making it rather than like I've I've said all I need to say really probably for now about Saudi Arabia, their like regime and all that. But it only just started to occur to me how it's gonna. Some of this stuff just might, like, fit with the narrative of Newcastle being a bit of a joke. <laughs> but, you know, it's... it's, it, it, it's One has to remember. One, one has to remember, which is, as all Newcastle fans talk, one has to remember that really it's just about football, isn't it? And you should try and enjoy the actual games... Well, the, this one of actually, which I was just going to say, on. this has been a nice bit about football coming back because the the takeover has still been rumbling on, but because we've had disappointing losses to Watford and frustrating draws with West Ham and embarrassing capitulations at Man City and great wins against Bournemouth, I genuinely haven't taken up a lot of time thinking about the fucking takeover, thinking about the geopolitical ramifications and the broadcast deal in yeah. the MENA range. It's been brilliant to talk about why the fuck is Cher playing in the midfield? Like, yeah, that took me a little while. Great. 
It took me a little while to um, adjust myself to it, but I am enjoying football being back. I think I've gone um, the other way. I've immersed myself in Middle Eastern TV rights and not watched any football. (laughs) That's all I'm into at the minute. Well, you are sitting there in your Arab sat strip that's that's like i didn't even know they had one for they're a a good satellite provider (laughs) i've really enjoyed football being back i can still notice the 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 atmosphere being weird Mm. you know and how they get it right i thought i thought it was really unfair the other night when norwich lost who did they play they lost they lost four nil and went down and they um West Ham wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I watched um, that and at the end of the game the the, the uh they had the crowd booing. <laughs> I thought that's a bit unfair. <laughs> the one I find unfair weird. to have that button. So what I find very weird is like when you have players taking the knee or doing a minute silence at the start, as soon as they finish, there's a round of applause that doesn't exist. <laughs> It's really sure. odd, <laughs> but I guess the whole um, the whole idea of it is to make you forget that there are fans there. Yeah, so they should right. pipe in a few like... knobheads during a minute silence, <laughs> and it would feel more real. I really want to see a feature on the guy who's got that soundboard because he's got a lot more buttons than I thought. It feels like he's asking for more buttons because there's a button for like um, there's a noise for if there's a scuffle between the players, if there's a fight. <laughs> They've got that sound yeah. of the crowd getting involved in that. They haven't yet got the uh, ironic when there's a big miss. <laughs> that must be there somewhere. I feel like obviously the players can't hear these sounds, but I wonder whether not having crowds in has stopped some players, has made some players have the courage to make some more spectacular efforts and has therefore given us more spectacular goals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, certainly for for players like like Joe Linton, without fans getting on his back when he misplaces a pass or whatever. I mean, his his teammates will be frustrated with him or whatever, but he's not like... He's not under the same pressure because there isn't that groan. That there isn't the, the the bollocking from the guy that's sitting on the touchline or whatever. Like yeah. there must be a sense of freedom. And I was chatting to a mate. I was I was asking like, do you think this takes them back to the freedom that they feel when they're just playing like a, a full strength side in um in a practice game, you know, in a training session, or uh, or even maybe for some of the the players it takes them back to the play school the, the playground rather where they were they were just playing football and they didn't necessarily feel the pressure of uh 25,000 fans or because I know they're still playing in front of a TV camera but you must feel so removed from the TV camera and um, when you're actually in the game whereas the fans are just constantly reacting and, and encouraging or, or, or criticizing. Definitely. So that's a more, that's a, a more immediate visceral feeling, isn't it? Of, of yeah. the fact that you might have, like, hear people laughing at you or booing you or whatever. And mm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about that much in terms of Newcastle. Certainly the, the Joe Lytton, I think we've discussed that before. And yeah, I think that might have made a difference. But just, I mean, in, 
the Premier League in general, I think there's been maybe a few more spectacular goals. It's been fun. I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I um, think I'm stupid enough where it takes a couple of minutes and I completely buy into the crowd noise being real. That's it. Yeah, I, I almost do myself. I, I tell you what you don't get do. what you don't get with the, the crowd noise is that building momentum. Do you know what I mean? When yeah. uh, when suddenly you start to feel a, 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 a team being encouraged, you know, like there's a there's a feeling yeah, that like, now's the time they need to go for it. You don't get that sort of like momentum sway. And he's not melding the sounds together. It's he's not like <laughs> I don't imagine he's got like a mixing desk. I think he's just um like pressing this button and then letting yeah, it fade sort of or whatever. An, I think there's there's an un, there's a, a bed of general yeah. crowd noise. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like, like to hear him suddenly like if accidentally press the wrong button and get like a, <laughs> a car screeching. <laughs> <laughs> the world will scream. Or just like the, you know, just, like the radio, just a radio for play of like, hurrah! <laughs> 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 I mean, one thing, I've, I've, the other, the other side of it, if you remember back, I think it was like two seasons ago when we had that game against Leicester and there were about 11 crunching tackles in a row. And the crowd were getting bigger after each one. You, that would just, if that happened now, all the players would just be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, that wouldn't happen without the crowd whipping it up. I sort yeah, of miss yeah, that yeah, side yeah. to it. You, like, normally, especially with us, there's been times where the crowd have got behind us, especially at home, after a bad decision or sort of slight feeling wronged about something. And that's got us back into games. I don't think that really happens now and, and you don't have the opportunity to shout like you don't have the opportunity to shout man on so i vividly remember uh stuart pierce on the ball and he the the, um, the right winger was behind him and he was just you know trying to find a pass and 50 odd thousand newcastle fans as one shouted man on and he like got a little bit like of a shock and he, he played the pass if this was happening now He'd have no fucking clue the player was behind him. So I, I miss that. Well, I imagine yeah. you'd hear one of his teammates say, man, on, right? All right, fucking man. Good point. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. He's not playing with a team of mutes. And I'll tell you one thing that occurred to me in the last couple of days. You know how in this sort of period of history that we're in one of the things that i find difficult is you can't that it's hard to find things to look forward to you know you can't make plans for something that you're going to do in the future that'll be fun and i was thinking that i really miss going to football every now and again but i don't get to go to football that much but i really miss the thought that i could potentially be going to the football yeah. in a month's time that sort of like planning that we do for a game, the idea that there's a possibility that I might go. I really miss the the day out going to the football, but I even yeah. miss just the, the looking at the the games coming up that we might be able to arrange going to. I do feel like I'm never going to take a day at the football for granted again. Even yeah. I've been to some 
terrible Newcastle away games in the last few years, but I think they'll. I would take a Crystal Palace nil-nil, no shots on target, day out, with both hands now. And this is the thing I've got. I've got. I do have always got the sort of the privilege and non-privilege of not living in Newcastle and being a season ticket holder. So, but I'm. What am I saying here? I'm saying that I uh, don't. I, I never. I'm never interested in boycotting or anything like that, because. I, it's a hobby for me. I want to enjoy it, and I don't want to have to like. It's not part of your weekly routine, I guess, is it? Yeah, sorry, I articulated that so badly, and I can't be asked to like um, <laughs> to go <laughs> back over for it. Somebody's run out of good points to make. Well, somebody's <laughs> somebody's moved from the five point two percent to the six percent. If only one of us had shouted bad point to him, Dave, but we can't. <laughs> you need 50,000 people to do it. <laughs> to I'm get saying. the attention. Um, so, uh, we are playing uh, tomorrow night as we record. Um, hopefully tonight as you listen. But with the um, rapidity of these podcasts coming out, probably the day after I came, uh, against... Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. We're playing at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, the 15th of July. It's going to be on BT, 6 p.m. Really annoying time for me. But I always feel positive uh, when we're about to play Tottenham. Do you guys just. I think there's two. It's the double whammy of about to play Tottenham and about to play Mourinho at St. James's. Yeah. He's still mm. number one there. Which is, is that mental right? when you think yeah. about it. It is. He's been saying some positive things about Newcastle. He always does. He says because because of Bobby Robson, who he of course of course assisted. He's been saying he hopes that we do get the takeover and get the success that we deserve and become an even bigger club and all of that. I wonder if that's him. Still going to lose, Jose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's it. That's a question. Uh, would you take no Jose Mourinho? No. I think he's basically a would Portuguese you... Steve Bruce. Dave, well, this is the thing. Dave, would you take Jose Mourinho over Steve Bruce? Uh, uh, is it a binary choice? Fuck yeah, yes. probably. Actually, for all, for all his flaws, Mourinho's still going to deliver a top half. Uh, performance like top half finish. Actually, you know, I was, and they've got loads of flaws, but I yeah. was thinking the other day. I I really have grown to hate Jose Mourinho. I've, I've discovered that you know, I went through a period where I really, I've never had a massive problem with Man United. I'm starting to enjoy Man United again at the moment. I, I you know, I I quite like. I quite yeah. like Manchester United. <laughs> Just they've always seen, they've always got a lot of young, exciting players. But the period when you know there've been moments when I haven't liked them, and the period where I really disliked them was when they were managed by Mourinho. And I'm starting, you know, and I, a couple of years ago, I quite liked Spurs, you know, mm. with their young English contingent. I really don't like Spurs at the moment, and it's because Mourinho manages them, but. 
if Mourinho was to manage us, actually, he'd probably do really well for us, wouldn't he? This is what Spurs fans thought before he came to them, though. And it's he's the game's passed him by. I think he's spent now. Yeah, he's definitely a manager in the de- in decline. But like, even where he's declining to is way above where we are. So yeah, like, that's he, probably that's fair. true. Yeah. But is it? He he had two things going for him, wasn't it? One was his tactical nous and uh, attention to detail, which can be replaced by a lot of people now because you know the game evolves and people learn. Um, but two was his force of personality, which has been neutered by him just being around so long. And, and yeah, and you look at him at Chelsea. Successful. Look at him when he was at Chelsea and when he was at Inter. That personality was very different to what it is now. It feels a lot darker and a lot more bitter yeah. now. It's like the late years of and the very end of Brian Clough. Of... <laughs> right. But even if it get minus the alcohol, probably. Yeah. Um, even if he sort of went back to that same personality that he had when he first joined Chelsea, it wouldn't work because he comes with all that baggage. Yeah, well, he pretended because... to when he joined Spurs and sort of. Yeah, he did. Yeah, was yeah. Sort of like I'm the happy guy, but it, yeah. he's just not equipped for the game anymore. I don't think something changed in him, or the game's just changed. Maybe he needs to start wearing leather jackets. <laughs> you know, he's a man of his age and he's going through a midlife crisis. Maybe he needs to grow a goatee. I would say of current jackets. Current Premier League managers, there's probably at least ten I would take over Mourinho. Wow. List them. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Arteta. I'll go alphabetically. Yeah. Arteta. Yeah. Who's at Bournemouth? I predict you're going to. Who's at Brighton? You're give up on the alphabet. Potter. What Potter? Yeah, I'd take him over yes. Mourinho. Wow. The one at Sheffield United. Wild. Frank Lampard. Right, you fucked your alphabetical. Brendan Rodgers. I know, but <laughs> I would say there's easily ten. I mean, ten's a good shout, but yeah, Solskjaer is a big shout, but. You t- hang on a second, you take Solskjaer. I wouldn't take Solskjaer. Over Mourinho. Solskjaer's is do- no. doing well now. Solskjaer's lucky enough to have at his disposal Paul Pogba and uh, Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood. Mourinho had most One of, of them, them as well. well. David De Gea. Oh, yeah, but Solskjaer is not a good football manager. He's just got a, a plethora of talent, and he'll get found out soon enough. Because Mourinho had a plethora okay, of talent and the, a much bigger checkbook than Solskjaer, and still got much worse results out of them. Yeah, I'm, Dave, why are you all shitting on young British managers like Steve Bruce and Ali Solskjaer? <laughs> <laughs> Solskjaer is a, as the kids like to say on, on, on Twitter, he's a fraud. You'll get found out. He's not a good manager. He's not. He probably isn't, but look, well, in the last couple of weeks, I found myself buying into the, the Man United. Ollie's at the wheel. Myth. I'm like, I'm he doesn't really it. do average at Man U, does he? He's either in an incredibly hot streak or 
doing incredibly badly so far. Yeah. And so, I'll never forgive him for that foul on Rob Lee. Oh, I know. Ever. But I would take it, I'd, yeah, confidently say there's 10 managers I'd take over him. Is Bruce one of them? No, um, probably. Well, I don't know. That might have been hyperbole. Probably about level. I'd just, just see Mourinho rock up at St. James. I'd hate it. Oh, I'd hate the football yeah, and I'd hate him, but it's still better than Bruce. Yeah, but Mourinho leaves a club on fire as well. It takes years to rebuild normally. It's true. There'd just be a sinking feeling. It's like I don't I don't think that Steve Bruce is a bad man. No. I think that Jose Mourinho is is oh, it's just there's so yeah. much going on in that man. Um he's he's, he's a dark soul. <laughs> no, he's an arsehole. <laughs> so uh, we are playing Spurs tomorrow night as we speak as the crow flies and uh, I guess we should do some kind of uh, prediction which will lay us open to ridicule as you're listening to this probably after the game Uh, Dave you want to give us a prediction scoreline or scoreline you've done this podcast before haven't you uh, we're going to lose 2 0. Okay. Uh, no, that's fine. Sorry. That's good. Yeah. yeah. No. Don't apologize. Oh, fuck you. Say what's in your heart. Paul? I'm going to go for the, the Fergus Craig special 1 1. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Jose's, um, and this is a fact that I didn't bring to the table. Jose's never won at St. James's. Spurs aren't doing well at the moment. Well, then, you say that, but they've only lost once in the last six. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> what happened um, to that one? one? We've only won one in the last six. Uh, well, is that true? No, we won two, haven't we? Sheffield United and uh, Bournemouth. In the last six? No, because it was Watford, Man City, yes, no, West Ham, Bournemouth, West Ham. Right. Okay. Oh, is that a good point? Fuck off. <laughs> man so, on Fergus, uh, man on. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to win 2 1. Yeah, I think we'll do it. We'll do it, and Jose will get sacked at the end of the game. It's a horrible one, though, because <laughs> we always seem to get good results against Mourinho, but we're the only club he's ever really nice and gracious to. And I wish he'd be more of a wanker about it. <laughs> Yeah, ultimately doesn't see it as a threat. Okay, um, we should leave things there. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, who knows when the next NAFTA will be? There's only uh, three more games left in the season Spurs, Brighton, Liverpool. Uh, hopefully, somewhere in there lies a, a victory that we can take, we take with over. Us. A, a, a victory in those games and then a takeover and something to keep us going until whenever this shit show starts again. Uh, all right. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Night listener. Goodbye.
Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.